You're listening to the New Hope Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about New Hope, including our service times and events, please visit newhopebc.org. Today's message comes from Senior Pastor Reese Stenner. Today's title is Jumpstart Obedience Giving. Jumpstart Obedience Giving, the benefits of bringing in the whole tithe. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. Will you turn in your Bibles there, please, or swipe there on your phones? We always put it on the screen. Certainly when we go through the book of Romans, it'll be really good for you to have the text in front of you as well, because there's going to be you know, quite a few words you may have noticed in the book of Romans. So here we go, Malachi 3. And for all the objections that we have, verse 6 kind of answers them, but I'm going to answer some of the objections to bringing in the whole tithe today and lay out a biblical foundation. So here we go. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. What's God going to do for me? Well, the Lord says, return to me, and I will return to you. But you ask, how are we to return? Will a mere mortal, that's us, rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Amen. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. And all God's people said, Amen. Let's praise God for his word, shall we, everyone? Thank you, Lord, that you speak to us today. This is the final word, the second to last chapter in the Old Testament before we wait for the new. Now, wouldn't it be a very strange thing for the last major word of the Old Testament to be irrelevant once we get to the New Testament? That would be a strange thing, wouldn't it? That we get this word and then we've got one more chapter, the New Testament starts and there will be some that say, and therefore there is no relevance anymore. Now, we thank God for Jesus. The only way to know God is through Jesus, who fulfilled the requirements of the law through his righteous life and through his death and resurrection. Jesus is sacrificed for our sins. We need Jesus, amen? We thank God for Jesus. I've known the Lord since 1978 when I gave my life to Christ. And let me tell you something, the best thing in my life is Christ in me. And I want to know him more. I need more and more of Jesus. And I know that would be the same thing for you as well. But I think that's a good thing to start the year to say, I want to know Jesus Christ. Paul says, I want to know Christ even the fellowship of sharing in his suffering. So it's clear in the New Testament that we're saved through faith. We're not saved through tithing. We're saved through believing in Jesus Christ. Nonetheless, there were some in the New Testament, like the rich young ruler, who wanted to be in on the action with Jesus. They want to be part of this good thing, but they didn't really want to be obedient. And so finances were a really big deal for the rich young ruler. Finances were a big deal for Zacchaeus. Finances were a big deal for Simon Magus, who wanted to manipulate the Holy Spirit and use the things of God for his own gain. Isn't it interesting that frequently and consistently in Scripture, there were those that wanted to be around Jesus, but they didn't want to be obedient to Jesus. Jesus. 
and the area was finances. And that can sometimes be, even for some folks, a major point of resistance, causes us to fold our arms and look very, very glum. You're all smiling at me right now. And it can, it can, we can put at that point of resistance like, but not that. Because you know what? That's our God. That's the thing that we get a security from. Uh, Malachi addresses tithes and offerings, and I want to explain why this is a really helpful jump start to the new year for you and I. Even if you are tithing, I think this will be an encouragement for us. Here's a statement now. Those who are disciplined and generous in their finances tend to be rightly disciplined and generous in other parts of their life as well. Do you agree with that? And I don't know which comes first sometimes. Is it that you, you just got the Holy Spirit, you're generous, you give, or is it sometimes that you give and that enables you to have more of the Holy Spirit because there's room for God in your life? Maybe it's a bit of both. If we get this part of our life right, it will help us guard against greed and it will help us focus on the mission, the purpose for why we are on earth. By the way, tithing means to give one-tenth. The practice in church life, and it's been the practice for most of our 140-odd year history as the church, is to give 10% of your gross income to the local church. And for some to hear that might sound a bit of a shocker to you, but I just want to say that's how much we believe in this church. And it's through the generosity of God's people that this church has been able to reach to the ends of the earth and see God do some simply amazing things. This little country church, amen? It's the White Chapel where our Spanish ministries meeting right now used to be on the other side of the road. And it was a faithful congregation for about 100 years. And then suddenly God blessed this church in a supernatural way. And can't you feel that he's doing it all over again, my friends? In a different day and age, God is blessing his people. And it's been very often through the faithful generosity of his people. I'll say again, we're not saved by tithing. We're saved by the blood of Jesus. But I want us to give us a quick, a quick kind of history of tithing in the Bible. Here's the first thing. Tithing before the law. Before we say, ah, tithing was in the law, therefore it's no longer relevant. I want you to know that tithing was there even before the law of God was given. In Genesis 14, the mysterious character Melchizedek, you may have heard of him. Some people will make a whole theology about him. You're not supposed to do that. He's just a bit of a godly mystery man, the king of Salem, which today is Jerusalem. Bread and wine symbolize the relationship between Abraham and Melchizedek. Something special was in that relationship. And so there we are in early Bible history, Hundreds of years before the giving of the law, the father of faith, Abraham, gave Melchizedek a tithe or a tenth of all he had. There was no synagogue to give to. Isn't it natural to give to our place of worship? There was no temple. And so he gives to the king of Salem where the temple will be someday. Abraham was not law-bound in this gift. It was long before the law. He was not being legalistic. We don't know how he grabbed hold of this creation principle. Maybe he looked at the 10 fingers on his hand. Maybe his father taught him about proportional giving. How good it is for us not to just consume the stuff for ourselves, but to share and to bless others. We don't know where he got it from, but I don't believe that Abraham was being legalistic. It actually sprung from gratitude. The book of Hebrews is not ashamed to tell us the same story as well and mentions the tenth. Did you know that Jacob tithed as well? Genesis 28 verse 22 in this book of origins we read, and this stone, Jacob says, that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. The tithe is often connected to worship. And then he says, and all that you give me, Lord, 
I will give you a tenth. Abraham gives his tithes due to gratitude. Jacob tithes in anticipation of a promised land. So tithing, giving a tenth, is connected to gratitude and faith. And Jacob and Abraham's flocks were especially noticed as being especially blessed. So these men, ahead of their time, before the law, were learning obedience and wisdom, that creation principle of the tithe. Secondly, tithing is in the Old Testament law. When you go through the Pentateuch, those first five books of the Bible, and when you come eventually to the giving of the law of God, there are at least three of those Bible books referring to tithing. And here's the first thing I want to say about the law of God. Have a right attitude towards the law of God. Um, you don't open the Bible in the Old Testament and go, oh, that's Old Testament. I've got to get to the New Testament. We thank God for the scriptures. Of course, the scriptures Jesus read for, read from was from the Old Testament. The giving of the moral requirements of the law is considered to be one of the greatest advancements in history. It's easy for us to forget that. In Nehemiah chapter 9, the people of God were convicted of their sin and they're seeking God and he's, God is restoring worship. He's restoring the temple. The, the wall of Jerusalem has been rebuilt. The people are being blessed and this is what they prayed. They said, Lord, you came down on Mount Sinai. You spoke to them, that's Israel, that their ancestors. You spoke to them from heaven. You gave them regulations and laws that are just and right and decrees and commands that are good. I suggest that the rejection of the Ten Commandments is one of the biggest catastrophes that the Western world has ever faced. In our own time, if you live long enough, you've seen it even in your own time. It used to be the Ten Commandments, and everybody would believe the Ten Commandments because we don't want to have false gods. We don't want to have idols. We don't want to commit adultery. We don't want to blaspheme God's name. Have you noticed how the name of God is frequently misused in our culture today, and it even slips into the house of God sometimes? So we've gone from the Ten Commandments to the Ten Suggestions. And then it's gone from the Ten Commandments to the Ten Suggestions to the Ten, how dare you even mention them? We're going to tear it all down. That's one of the biggest catastrophes in our culture. Understand, that's one of the most important things that happened in modern history if you want to understand the nation that we're in right now. Now, we are not bound by the dietary regulations nor the sacrificial system because Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. Amen. And on, on the dietary regulations, I want to encourage you that Peter was divinely instructed that we are free to eat different meats when we go out to Outback uh, for lunch. Hey, read the book of Acts and you can get the full go-ahead for prime rib and pulled pork. No wonder church is still effective in the southern states in these days because of uh, the, the divine vision that Peter experienced. So we, we're not bound by the dietary regulations. We're not down, bound by the sacrificial system. That's no longer there because Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice. He did not come to abolish the law but to fulfill it. But I'm telling you, my friends... We need the wisdom of God, and God is speaking to us through his word. Let's see it in print, Leviticus 27, verse 30. There are plenty like this. A tithe, everyone say tithe, of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs, who? To the Lord, it is holy to the Lord. Now, one of the blessings of being under the new covenant as prophesied by Jeremiah is that God has placed his laws, just as he placed those laws on Abraham and Jacob's heart before the law, God has placed the law of God on our hearts and on our minds. Isn't that a wonderful thing? If you've come to know Jesus, you don't, didn't just kind of like get a ticket to heaven. 
if that's our understanding of Jesus, we've kind of misunderstood it. Now we have everlasting life. Well, when you come to know Jesus, you become a follower. You become a disciple, and you want to obey him. And the beauty is that the Holy Spirit will put his laws into your hearts and minds. I often tell the story in church of the man who's, who is far from God, went along to a church meeting, got saved, and as he left the building for the first time as a brand new Christian, he got a cigarette from his top pocket, he lit it up, and he heard a voice say, I don't want to smoke that. And then he thought, well, I'm going to go where I usually go, and he was going to head to the bar, and he got to the threshold of the bar, he got to the door, and he heard a voice say to him, I don't want to go there. That was the Holy Spirit working in this man's life. Isn't it wonderful to have a conscience? Isn't it wonderful to have the Holy Spirit? If you're thankful for the Holy Spirit, would you praise his name, everyone? So can I say the giving of the law is a beautiful thing? Like I say, you don't have to do the dietary thing. We're set free in Jesus' name. We don't have to sacrifice animals. Jesus was sacrificed for us, but God's wisdom is in that law. And the people, when God worked in their hearts, would often return to his word. Here's the third thing. Tithing is a response to a move of God. So in early spiritual history, there was tithing. Tithing is in the Old Testament law, and then after the Old Testament law is given, when the people of God strayed from God, it was a problem, and then God would move in revival power. In the life of King Asa, the people returned to the Lord. I love Josiah, a young king, and he was so courageous. When revival comes, you'll do what people like Josiah did, and you tear down all the things that are wrong in your life, you tear down the wrong things in your home and in your family and in your church and in the community and in the state and the nation. When God moves in revival power, all those ugly things get torn down and then elevated are all the good things. We love his word. We love to worship. Nothing else matters. Things that once mattered to us no longer matter. And now our hearts are filled with the things of God. Well, when the revival under Hezekiah took place, let's read what happened. 2 Chronicles 31 verse 5, as soon as the order went out, the Israelites generously gave the first fruits of their grain, new wine, olive oil, and honey, and all that, fields, that the fields produced. They brought a great amount, a tithe of everything. The people of Israel and Judah who lived in the towns of Judah also brought a tithe of their herds and their flock and a tithe of the holy things dedicated to the Lord their God. And they piled them in heaps. I, that's a good thing, by the way. There was great joy that day. And so a little later, we're going to do the thing that we've done in our previous two services. The same thing happened at the South Campus. We've given a card for you, and uh, I'm going to ask you to fill that out between now and the end of the message. And there may be a battle going on in the heart for one or two, but I want to encourage you that the vast majority of our other services just flooded the steps with a, a filled-in card. Uh, this card simply is, is going to declare that we're going to consistently tithe in the year 2024. Now, we've been teaching this for the, the history of our church. This shouldn't be a, a shock to most of us, and the vast majority are already doing that, and that's especially for you to almost be a witness to say, amen, this is what I, what I do as a follower of Christ. But uh, when those cards appeared this morning, just laid out on the steps of the South Campus, I just thought of the heaps, the heaps of blessing, and there was great joy in the church, and let there be joy at the North Campus here today. Do you know the same thing in the time of Hezekiah happened in the time of Nehemiah? Worship was restored, and they began to tithe. 
See, tithing and worship so often come together. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. And they pledged, in actual fact, to give not just one tithe, but it seems if you study it carefully, they pledged another full tithe and plus some more as well. So that the people of God were really getting excited by this whole generosity thing. And isn't it wonderful that God moved in those days? Okay, then there's a prophetic word, biblically. So before the law, Abraham, Jacob, the tithe was before the law. The tithe is in the law. We don't have to follow the dietary regulations or go through the sacrificial system, but we don't abolish the law of God. Then, of course, you've got revivals and people getting back to tithing. Then there's a prophetic word. Amos rebukes the people in Amos chapter 4 for bringing the tithe only occasionally. And therefore, if you bring the tithe occasionally, you're doing what? You're not tithing. So if you say, Pastor, I come to church once every six weeks and then I tithe. Well, well, if, you're, if you've set up your tithing when you're not there in church, that's tithing. But just to do it occasionally is not actually a tithe. And of course, Malachi is set in that tradition of the prophets speaking to the people saying, hey, you've got to get this right with God. So what happens then when we get to the teaching of Jesus? There are some that say tithing is totally Old Testament, has nothing to do with the New Testament. Well, first of all, I think we've already said we should have a right attitude towards God's law. What a blessing that God spoke to his people. Um, in Matthew chapter 5, this is very important to understand this, because people will sometimes say, well, Jesus never said homosexuality was wrong. Yes, he did. And I'm going to tell you why he said this. First of all, Jesus affirmed the one flesh principle. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, and the two will be uh, united and will become one flesh. Jesus taught the one flesh principle. So, of course, Jesus is clear, and Jesus believed in the moral law of God. In fact, he is one with the Father, and so you could, you could suggest that Jesus was participating in the giving of the law uh, to the people of Israel. But you remember when Jesus said, you've heard it said, like, you've heard it said, do not commit adultery. Did Jesus then say, but, but now under the new covenant, you can do whatever you like? Did Jesus say that? He said, no, no, no. You've heard it said, this is the, altar, this is the affirmation of the law. You've heard it said, you, you must not commit adultery. But I say unto you, do not even look lustfully at another man's wife. Jesus takes it to another level and gets it to the heart level, amen? Uh, and Jesus says, you've heard it said, do not murder. He affirms the Ten Commandments. Jesus affirms the law. You've heard it said, do not murder. But I say to you, he doesn't say, but now you can kill each other. Now we're under the new covenant, you can just murder each other, right? No, 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 not, a, not at all. You thought that was funny, didn't you, bro? But it's like, correct, because that just doesn't sound right to say, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I say to you, don't even be angry. Jesus gets it right to the heart. You gotta, and that leads us to want, love one another and to love your neighbor as yourself, to quote the Old Testament. And so it's important for us to understand Matthew 5, 17, in print, look it on the screen right now, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets who we just read from. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them, which I believe is kind of take it to another level, get to the heart of the matter, Holy Spirit within us, law on our hearts and our minds. We are free in Christ. We are free in Christ. Hallelujah. But I thank God that he freed me up as a 14-year-old kid that someone in the church graciously taught me how to tithe. They asked me how much I was earning. Three pounds a week with my paper round. That's like four dollars. It was a lot of money in those days. And so they taught me to tithe, which was like, well, out of three pounds, that's 30 pence. Or out of four dollars, that's 40 cents. That's your tithe. And then comes the offering. 
And then, so the Lord taught me, you release the tithe. The tithe doesn't, isn't mine. If I hold on to the tithe, I'm robbing God. That belongs to the Lord. And that was a wonderful jump start for me to realize that now I'm free. Now I've already surrendered that part to the Lord. With the other 90%, I'm free to be obedient to God. And there's going to be a blessing upon my tithing and my offerings. I thank God that as a married couple, that's been who we are. Give me a wave, married couples, if that's been who you are as well, while I take a sip of water. Thank you for testifying along the way. Barnabas, in the New Covenant, went way beyond tithing, and he sold his precious Jerusalem real estate, laid it at the apostles' feet. In due course, he ends up becoming, along with the Apostle Paul, the first Christian missionary in human history. And you and I got to hear about Jesus because a missionary went and brought the gospel either to your forefathers or to whoever was in that chain of sharing the gospel with you. Can we give God praise for the missionaries, everyone? Because without them, we wouldn't be here. God released him. So can you see that that tithing practice is a jump start into us being sold out for Jesus? So you could say, I don't believe in tithing. I, I believe we should give more. If you say that to me, I would say, that's great as long as you don't give less. I think some people use it as an excuse to say, I don't believe in tithing. We should give more. Therefore, I'm free to give less. Everyone else can do it because they're like doing really well, but I'm not, right? And I want to say, hey, you may think that you can't afford to do it. I believe that you cannot not afford to do it because there's a blessing upon it. And so I believe I'm presenting a biblical case. Oh, I've got a widow's mite in my pocket here to show you all. Can you see it? We're going to zoom in a little. Can you see how tiny that is? It's about the size of my fingernail on my little finger. That's how tiny a mite is. This one goes back to 100 BC. It's a little bit older than America, isn't it? And so I just want to encourage you that when we bring our, it's not even bringing our gifts, we bring our cards forward. That's not the actual offering. It's just like we're checking our cards. When we do that, we bring it forward as a sign of worship and surrender to the Lord. I want to encourage you that when people came and brought their gifts, Jesus saw the widow and he noticed her. He understood the great sacrifice. It, the point of the, of the widow's might, by the way, is not doesn't matter how much you give, it's just the thought that counts. The point is that she gave everything and she surrendered everything to the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, let's just do a quick, oh, before we respond, let's do a quick overview then of Malachi 3, a summary. Here we go. <clears throat> Verse 6, here's one slide here. I, the Lord, don't change. Look on the screen right now. I, the Lord, don't change. That's a great word for us. Return to God includes giving a tenth in this context. Do you return to God first, or do you give the tenth? It seems to be both in this passage here. The problem was robbing God of tithes and offerings. The result is a curse. Let's look at the next slide. The remedy is bring in the whole tithe. That's the simple remedy. The remedy is not argue, pout, fold your arms, get, get cross with the preacher. The remedy is bring in the whole tithe. And when that happens, the floodgates of heaven are opened up, amen? The storerooms are full. You may say, Pastor, my storerooms are already full. My attic is full. My basement is full. Why, they're even building storage centers along Highway 85 right now in Fayetteville because we haven't got enough room for storage right now. This is a, a description, actually, of the mission of God. This is about the storerooms of the family of God, of the mission of God. And don't you agree, friends, that is our priority as his people. Let's give God praise for the great mission he's called us to. As well as that, there are four blessings, the floodgates of heaven, the storerooms full. 
there'll be a supernatural crop and harvest protection and there will be blessing across the world. I didn't sleep so well last night. I didn't sleep so well. And um, I was praying. And do you ever do that thing, by the way? Sometimes you think, okay, I'll pray. So you pray and then you, kind of, you go like, dear Lord, and then... And you know, do you ever do that? Give me a wave if sometimes you do that. Yeah, there are days, there are days like that. But there are other days, like I started praying for some of our mission partners. I, hey, I pray for our church so much. I pray for you. I pray, I'm so thrilled because we're seeing prayers answered even here this morning. God's blessing our church. God called us here. We love our church. We love you. We're committed to this church. But you know, one of the miracles, thank you, one of the miracles uh, of this church is that we've been able to reach across the nations. In my own time, we've been able to, to share the gospel with 130,000 people in Wales. What a delight that's been to, to, to share Christ with so many in other places through some of our own ministries. There are ministries in the Philippines that have literally touched tens of thousands of people that come back directly to the ministry of this church. So I just want to encourage you that this church is all about growing our church, telling people about Jesus, growing up as the family of God, but God's given us a worldwide global impact and I never want us to forget that. I pray that there'll be some here and God will lead you to go to Zimbabwe this year. God will lead you to go to Wales this year or St. John's Island or some of our faithful mission partners that we've known for a long, long time. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The storehouse is the local church. It's not Zeke's cousin in Mississippi who's going through a hard time. I made that up, by the way. Um, we, uh, you, you, you don't tithe to, to your kid's college fund. That's something different. We tithe to the local church. If there's to be blessing in America, it's going to start in the house of God. Thank you for listening. Be sure to rate us and hit subscribe to hear more encouraging podcasts from New Hope Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at newhopebc.org.